Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about ministry in the face of drug and substance use and addiction. We're continuing our discussions on difficult issues in youth ministry, and today we're going to talk about drug and alcohol abuse and addiction. Uh, temptations for teens to use and abuse drugs and alcohol is certainly nothing new. Uh, we've seen that uh, for, for many, many years. And uh, But new laws around marijuana use, um, access to new and maybe even terribly dangerous drugs like the synthetic opioids we've been hearing about in the news uh, can cause new questions, new realities, and, and real concern. Uh, families and youth ministry have had to work to create a safe place for teens and also to prepare them for the realities in their changing world. And if not, in your family or congregation, all too often our communities are scarred by the effects of drug and alcohol abuse and addiction. According to the CDC, since 1999, around 1 million Americans have died from a drug overdose. And in recent years, those numbers have increased substantially due to opioid-involved overdose. Our youth have to face the loss of friends and classmates and acquaintances and are often in places they can speak to Christ's hope and healing. So there's a lot that we could talk about with this, a uh, lots of things we could talk about when we talk about uh, drug and alcohol use. And, and today we're going to focus in on addiction. And, and anyone who has uh, been impacted by that knows that addiction is painful for the person going through it, for their family, for their friends, and for the many others who are impacted. We pray Christ's healing and hope for those individuals that they might find recovery and support. And in the midst of that struggle with addiction, we hope that our congregations, and particularly our youth ministries, can be a place of warmth, challenge, and grace. To help us talk more about this is Reverend Brian Earl. Reverend Earl is a board-certified chaplain currently serving in mental health populations at the Raymond G. Murphy Medical Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and has been doing that since 2019. Before that, Brian completed a VA Interprofessional Advanced Fellowship in Addiction Treatment at West Haven, Connecticut, VA. Brian is an ordained LCMS pastor, and before being called to chaplaincy in 2015, Brian served as a parish pastor in Nebraska. He and his wife, Krista, have three children and two cats. Welcome to the podcast, Reverend Earl. We got to hear about you briefly in the intro, but tell us something more about your vocations, your roles in ministry, and other things that bring you joy. So I work as a chaplain in kind of the mental health populations, inpatient and outpatient here at the hospital which does bring me a lot of joy. It's hard, but there's something satisfying or joy-bringing to be with people who are suffering, try to kind of be loving with them and suffer with them. Mm -hmm. In that moment, like Paul says, you know, weep with those who weep, laugh with those who laugh. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just to see, like, no, there is hope. There is possibility to change, to improve, to work through trauma and uh, addiction and and life and find meaning, to find God, to find community. So that brings me a lot of joy. My kids, I would say, they are probably the next best thing. They're, they bring me a lot of, it's weird, like joy is coupled with like frustration and tiredness. Like it's not separate. It's like, oh, I'm <laughs> delighted, but I'm also <laughs> frustrated and angry and like nervous and all of the, all at the same time, right? So I, maybe that's like the analog to youth ministry, like I, I don't know, for life. Um, yeah. Yeah, the weather's great, so come down and visit, especially uh, compared to St. Louis now. Right. Uh, is cold, but it's not... <laughs> By you, you get mad if I told you how uh, cold it was. So we're very jealous. We're uh-huh, very jealous uh-huh. in the middle of our winter. Uh, so, so one of the things that that we love to hear from our guests is about their junior and senior high school years. Uh, can you share about how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people uh, to keep and bring you uh, close to Him in the church in those years? 
One of the most pivotal experience was um, being involved with a youth retreat called Teens Encounter Christ. And, and Mark, you mentioned uh, that like, that's in St. Louis mm-hmm. circles, yes. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. wonderful, like, modeling of grace and the basics of, you know, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, uh, Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Seeing people who are my age, like, confess their own, you know, faith that God is real. We mm-hmm. can connect to Him. There's love. Um, just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the time I started to realize just because my parents and other adults believe this doesn't mean that it's true or even if I wanted it to be. So that that really, I can't overstate like how pivotal that was, mm-hmm. you know, seeing yeah. that God actually loves me specifically. Mm-hmm. So um, I volunteered as a kind of a youth and I actually even an adult much later, kind of in kind of subsequent retreats. Great. Uh, secondly, right around that time, there was a guy doing he still is. He's at the time he was in his forties, in his sixties now, doing kind of the Bible study ministry for the folks that fell between the cracks. So they weren't involved with the parochial school. They weren't in high school proper. They didn't have kids, and so they're kind of like maybe they were in college, maybe they weren't. But he's like, well, who's going to love them? Like they need to be involved too, and so. Um, that that he reached out and he in fact some of what we'll talk about today is certainly informed by him because right. he still is involved a lot more in youth ages than I am mm-hmm. and so yeah that's great that's great well yeah. we are so thankful for you to come on as a guest to discuss how we can minister to those who are struggling uh, with a substance addiction or affected by maybe another person's addiction and one place we wanted to start is just basics on how do we as Lutheran Christians understand drug or alcohol abuse and addiction through the lens of sin, repentance, and grace. Right. So, like, I think that's a good lens, and it's also think, like, more complex than that. So mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there are elements of will and sin, right, to make a choice. I don't know of any cases. I know like, someone who would be forced to start using a substance, like, mm-hmm. It could happen, mm-hmm. but uh, like the way that chemicals alter the brain sometimes just permanently, mm-hmm. like it's not so simple. So mm-hmm. there's a couple ways of thinking about it, right? Uh, the simplest way, um, I, okay, so oh, I need this, uh, this is the caveat before we actually start talking about like this type of thing. So anything I say, I do work um for the federal government. So anything that I'm saying here is like entirely my opinion. Mm-hmm. No way represents the VA, the mm-hmm. Veterans Health Administration, federal government. This is just me, Brian Earl, mm-hmm. and my own experience um, and knowledge. And I also told Mark and Juliana, like I would agree to speak to this with the, the caveat that like I don't feel like I know a lot about youth ministry. Like I was a youth once and mm-hmm. I do, you know, try, but um but I do know some about addiction, so I'm mm-hmm. glad to speak to, to what I know and not to what I don't. So, um, so addiction, biological system. So, I, obviously, I guess for me, a brief definition about addiction. Addiction is a combination. This is my summary of a lot of stuff is um, physical dependence on some kind of substance or behavior and then increased tolerance 
to said behavior. So if I drink one glass of beer and I'm like, I get my buzz in a month's time, if I keep doing that, I may need two glasses and so on, right? So the tolerance will go up. That alone is not addiction. That's just what happens to our bodies as they adapt to substances. However, the addictive part comes in, or at least psychologically we'd say addiction is when those substances and behaviors start to interfere with how we ought to be or how we want to be. So it's, is it interfecting my, like my values? Am I going against my morals in order to follow these things? Am I, you know, and, and does it escalate? Is my ability to control less? And like, so all these factors are coming in. Um, that being said, so thinking about addiction in the simplest terms, Oh no. Okay. Man, I'm, I don't know how much you edit like my spiral mind, but you'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> so really, this is how I think is I've written about this. There's a inter-Lutheran publication called Caring Connections. I'm figuring the two of you put this link mm-hmm. in, yep. uh, connected the podcast. And we did an episode on the opioid epidemic back in um, volume 15 to 2018, number three. And I think I said a lot of what I will say here a lot more succinctly than I may be able to do today. So I, I just I refer to that pastoral care and the opioid epidemic. Um, but another way of summarizing the complexity of the addictive process is if we think about our brain, which is most of what happens in our body is connected to the brain, all of it is a stop system and a go system. So there's parts of our brain, like the prefrontal cortex primarily, that it says stop. Hey, stop. Let's think about this. Is this a good idea? Maybe this is too much. Like it's kind of that self-regulation and higher reasoning. Mm-hmm. Now, and there's a go system that's primarily like the limbic system. So memory and pleasure and excitement and things like that. So many substances will weaken the stop system they'll kind of shut that thing down. So they're like, well, I don't need to think through what I'm doing. This just, and they'll fuel the ghost system. They're like, oh, so I have less and less ability to say no or to stop when it's enough or it's not safe because it feels good. And so the, the, the ghost system kind of is going overdrive. Um, so there is certainly an element of will, but then like the biology gets mixed in too, that people are less able to feel pleasure outside of the addictive process, like the addictive behaviors, um, and the pleasures feel great, and again, they, they're less able to say no, and so life, it kind of becomes a vicious cycle in which, you know, you get sucked into a funnel. So um, that being said, there is another article on that same issue of caring connections by a guy named um, Chris Cahill. Don't know him, but it's called the reflections on being a prodigal pastor. And he reflects on uh, part of the stigma, right? With addiction is, well, why, why don't we just stop? Why, why don't you just stop? I could stop. Uncle Joe doesn't have to drink a whole case of beer or whatever, you know, like, but why do you have to drink? And, and so one of the things I remember from this article was, well, isn't this how sin is? Like, who can stop sinning? Like, I can't stop. Like, there's some things that I have stopped, yes, but there's always more. Like, there's no end to the sin that I can find. Like, I just, even if as, I mat- as we mature, right? And so 
I think there is a helpful lens to say, like, if your problem is not substance A or B, if it's not heroin or if it's not alcohol or cigarettes or, um, you know, gambling, pornography, video games, if it's not that, it's probably something else. So, you know, who are we to throw stones, you know? Yeah. And and certainly drug and alcohol abuse isn't new. Uh, It's always been something we've been concerned about. Uh, So why is it something that we should be paying attention to in the lives of teens or or members of our congregations today? Well, I mean, some it's part of life, right? And uh, secondly... I think with the youth, there is some research. I'm more familiar with the use around marijuana, especially in Albuquerque. Uh, in New Mexico, mar- recreational marijuana is now legal. Um, I don't know if you knew that. And um, there's research to show that earlier onset starting use of marijuana actually has much like longer-term negative effects. So long-term negative like psychotic symptoms. Marijuana actually has psychotic symptoms that are built into it, not just feeling chill and and uh, kind of happy. Like, no, there's other things that... It, so when, especially for the younger folks, like it's actually a little more dangerous for them to experiment when they may be more curious. Um, and I... I don't know the research about other substances, but it would make sense to me that that would that could potentially be true uh, across the board. You know, the brain's brain's not fully developed, so that's one reason. Um, with specifically about like opioids, they are like the uh, the advent of fentanyl. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. It's very potent, and so a very, which is why it's quite popular. I think because you can get quite a big high for a little, a lot of bang for your buck if you can say it that way. So, um, but, but it's also dangerous then it's quite, I think it's much easier to overdose uh, on fentanyl than a lot of other things. Um, so, you know, even just someone just, Oh, let's just try this one time. One time may be too many times where alcohol, it's like, if you try one time, like you could probably try it one time and not die. Like you, you certainly can. There's a lot of circumstances where that's true, but not just from the substance itself. That's another thing. The other part, I think, why should we be paying attention um, and this goes into some of what else you kind of may want to ask too, is to think about, there's a lot of reasons like, um, a drug or an addictive behavior is, is not, I think at root, a problem. Like it root, it's a solution. It may not be a very good solution, mm-hmm. right? Maybe a sinful solution, maybe mm-hmm. a, a poor long-term mm-hmm. solution, but, and so, with adults, I'm often trying to explore, like, what is this, what are you trying to solve? Mm-hmm. Like, are you trying to escape the pain of life, mm-hmm. the physical pain? Mm-hmm. Is there stress that's going on? Is there some sense of belonging? Oh, my friends use, this is part of being a part mm-hmm. of community with these people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is it curiosity? Yeah, the word, mm-hmm. I could, why it may be quite interesting actually to try substance A and B, you know, um, maybe for the pleasure. So exploring some of those things, like those deeper needs, I think is where like the church we can be called into. Like, oh, you want belonging? Oh, hopefully we can be part of that. And so there's less of a need to find belonging somewhere else. Or, you know, if there's pain of life, life is painful. So, yeah, we should talk about it mm-hmm. with 
people of any age. Like, life's not just happy roses and wonderful times all the time. No, it's actually quite painful. Joe was quite right. Like, life is suffering. And sometimes it does feel like maybe it would be better if I had never been born. Like, yeah, that's a real thing that people feel. So, um, you know, and, and those can be some good inroads to just life. Absolutely. Around those things, like, I, I appreciate you really talking about how addiction really is a pretty complicated matter, or certainly can be. Um, what's going on in the life of a young person or anyone who's dealing with that. So I want you to go maybe a little bit deeper on what you just said there. Are uh, Just from your experience or some tips maybe that you'd give, what are ways that youth leaders um, or pastors can open up those discussions about maybe drug use or abuse if they see that or suspect that maybe in the life of a young person or maybe know it? Um, and maybe what is some things you might give to a pastor or someone to help a young person who's maybe dealing with addiction? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... So I'll um, share from my own space. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, I wanted to say this this earlier that like, I have my own ex- like personal experience with addiction as well. So like I am able to lead in a way that maybe others mm-hmm. don't because mm-hmm. I can say, well, I identify with that. And so I... With adults, it's, it, it seems simpler to me. And this is I, I have a question for you guys about this, too, because it, there's some split in my mind. Um, so, my, so my, for example, and it may just be with my own addiction, like for many years, here's the really short version of had a struggle with um, Internet pornography for years at probably pretty serious, like addictive levels. Like it was very disruptive. Um, and obviously always problematic in a way that, and sinful in a way that alcohol necessarily is not. So like there's that element. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that helped me, and I've seen with, for example, um, in 12-step groups, I think that help them be kind of healing spaces would be some of its identification, just like, I have pain. You have the same pain. Like there's some camaraderie that just shows up because of that, right? Um, con the common bond of shipwrecked survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, and my mentor would say this. The mentor I mentioned earlier, he would say that it's the gift of going second, and and that if someone, anyone, first says I have a problem then someone then has a gift, like, well, I don't have to be the first one to say it. Like, oh, someone else has already opened that door and, and done that risk. And like, oh, and the, and the world didn't end and the people didn't, like, get the pitchforks out and say, get out of here. Like, oh, well, maybe it's possible then in this space to be vulnerable. Um, and then one of the big tenets, I would say, of certainly the pastoral office, but it like, and I wouldn't say just ministry and certainly 12-step ministry would be like confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things, if you go to, to a 12-step meeting, they're like, but now what you hear here, you, it stays here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can bring their own stories wherever they want, but it's the knowledge that I won't violate your mm-hmm. own pain mm-hmm. and your own confidentiality, what you say. And so I, I'm been thinking about that with running the youth group that I have now, like, well, telling them, like, what you say here, like, I keep it here, mm-hmm. except maybe there may be times when your own safety right. is at, at risk, or maybe someone else. So there may be times when I, I will need to share, but I'm going to talk with you about that. But otherwise, I, I won't share that. You can share some things, but, um, and then, so kind of creating spaces like that, and, that, and, and if someone, 
Now, this is where the transparency comes in. I, I'm wondering to myself, and what you guys who've been in um, youth ministry for a long time, like, how do you, what are the lines for transparency with youth? Like, I just don't, I don't know. Like, there's some, there's always inherently some risk in sharing. And so even to share from my own spills, say, with addiction, I'm like, I, I have shared it. With you, with adults, it's easier. I kind of nav- I know how to navigate that. But there's always a risk. There's always kind of a cost-benefit analysis in my head, and like maybe the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Are like, is this the time? Is this useful? Is this about me? Is this about them? But with the kids, it's like different. Like, am I introducing something like negative to them? Am I like, is it too much information? What happens with the parents find out? Like, do I vet it with the parents first? Like, there's just so many layers that I just don't even. I just don't know. Because yeah. I would say if you can be transparent about any level of pain with them, like that's the road. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think the things that you're the questions you're asking are the questions that any adult leader needs to be asking mm-hmm. um, as they think about how they're sharing. I mean, the first thing, uh, you know, I certainly would encourage is to say you don't share a story of something that you haven't dealt with yourself. Right. You need to have processed that mm-hmm. um, and be in a healthy steady place you know offered uh, confession and absolution that you feel um confident that you've worked through whatever that issue is and that you are watching and making sure that you're sharing it for the right reasons right i'm sharing it because um it helps my young person in this particular case and i'm sharing in a way that's limited in order to help them uh, understand God's grace, understand God's love that I've experienced to, to point back to Jesus. And when it's doing those things, I think it can be really helpful and and, um, and be done with really good boundaries, but not um, so that I seem uh, cooler than I am or to, to somehow, oh, if I tell this story, then somehow now I'm going to have... Um, a connection or an end to this young person really I think um, those stories can we talk about the power of, of telling your own mm-hmm. personal stories um, and in healthy youth ministry um, but always in a way that that points back to Jesus and his grace mm-hmm. um, and the ways that we've experienced that and um, and even sharing some of the painful things right. that have happened because of choices that I've made mm-hmm. um, can be really mm-hmm. helpful and so um, no I think that's that's really helpful and and we we hope that there are adults in these these young people's mm-hmm. lives who have experienced God's grace and and redemption from from difficult situations, including addiction mm-hmm. um, of all kinds. And so, yeah, thanks for thanks for asking those kinds of questions because I guess again we hope that the congregation is a place of, of healing and grace. Um, and and there are people for uh, whatever reasons, like you talk about. There's there's a lot of reasons why somebody might be be drawn to that. Um, or find themselves in a struggle with addiction or families even touched by addiction that that may not think the church is a place of, of healing and connection. So um, can you help us think about some ways that, that youth ministry and congregations can be a place of, of love and support um, when you have a situation, whether, whether that young person is dealing with addiction or they just know someone who is? Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, did you have anything to add on my own curiosity? No, no, I, I thank you so much well, for all that. I really yeah, appreciate it. I, I think there's yeah. both that, that said. I mean, Julian, I think, touched on it, but it's, you know, in that transparency to talk about, again, 
you know, the seriousness of it, certainly. And, and I think sometimes, again, that pain that can come through it. And I think sometimes they're in, in those conversations to get to know someone. There's going to be times for, you know, humor might play into it, but yet to not lose the seriousness of it, too, both from what the young person is maybe struggling with and dealing with to not make light of it. Um, and then also to, um, you'll be able to make that connection to be able to, again, speak long gospel into that situation. Um, it's so important that, that you hear, again, both of Christ's forgiveness and grace in it, uh, but then also certainly we understand the consequences of what's happening and, and what, how, like going back to the complexity, like you said, the complexity way in which that sin or those issues can then also relate relationally along the way too. So that is, again, that's something that we take lightly, but we see, again, the complex situation it can be, um, be able to speak God's grace into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think part of maybe, like, and maybe this is to this next question about how can congregations and youth ministers, like, kind of the fight against what may be the stigma to say, like, there actually are, I don't know if I would say legitimate reasons, like, there are actually pretty intense reasons or, like, very weighty reasons that people do find drugs and they use them. Like, And so to really kind of give that it's true, that it's true value. And I'd say, like, it's not the greatest thing, but, like, oh, okay, I really understand why you're thinking about that or why you would want to do this or why... Um, same thing with like any sin like sin at some level is like yeah it's it's quite interesting and pleasurable like there are things that are not helpful or or desirable um, uh, not of God's will we're still drawn to them so to kind of give that full weight like yeah or or I think it's Hebrews right there's no temptation except what's common to man like and so I think the value of being transparent if it's not particularly about addiction, but just right. some other issue of life is to say, like, yeah, it, it, what you say, like, I tell people all the time, like, you probably won't tell me anything that will surprise me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Mm-hmm. It is quite possible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not that old, but I, I've heard enough. And I've certainly thought enough in my head yeah. that I may or may not have done. Like, I, <laughs> the heart is wicked above all things. Like, who can know it? Like, and I have one of those. And so... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, the other, I guess, there's a couple other things about, like that. I think a barrier for congregations, and maybe this is related to the, like the size of group as well. It's like there's the idea of like that Christian mask. Like I need to put up this mask mm-hmm. of like things are good. I love Jesus. Things are good. Or I love Jesus. I have it all together. Mm-hmm. Or I have it mm-hmm. enough together that I don't need help. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Where does that come from? Is that just like pride of like that just sits with all of us or like this uh, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble and so like there's some part of me that opposes God himself like I don't I don't need you um and I would lo- I don't know how this happens again I'm thinking from the like the pulpit like how much do you again that levels of transparency of like struggle like how how does that happen and it happens at all levels so at the youth ministry level I think there's an advantage potentially because it's well, it may be a small group, five, six, ten, fifteen, mm-hmm. in which it's easier to give confidence and speak a little bit more bluntly than it may be to a group of a hundred. Like, there's just so many other things to consider. Um, so um, the other part I wonder, too, is about kind of vague or generic use of law and gospel. And so... The corollary, this is the corollary that I would think of. So I used to do, when I was in St. Louis, I would 
leave these groups for 20 to 30 veterans dealing with addiction. They're, they're all adults in their 20s, anywhere from like their 30s to their 60s. And I knew that probably half of them, I don't know, a good chunk of them probably had some pretty negative experiences with some Christian church somewhere. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we're like, I don't want God, none of that. Mm -hmm. So I would do this group on occasion, and I don't know where I picked this up. Somebody else taught me like to be very specific. And so I would talk about kind of the spiritual moral injury that can happen at the hands of God's people. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, hey, if you've ever experienced... Um, kind of abuse at the church. If someone's hit you, pulled at you, spit at you, pushed you, said names, called you down, guilted you, shamed you. Like I was, I would list out very particular things mm -hmm. and not just say, if someone did you bad, mm -hmm. well, what is that? That is nothing like, no, no. Like the, I think the granularity is very mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and the same thing would go with, like, the law. Like, I think the more particular it is, at least to me, like, the corporate confession is valuable that we do. Like, the, you know, there's a few set ones that come up from time, you know, from in the circles in LSB. But I don't feel a lot of the conviction there. Like, when I say, like, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, like, it doesn't, it doesn't hit my soul. But if I tell you that, like, yeah, I'm kind of a self-centered liar, and I really really struggle with this addiction and like now we're now we're cutting to places where I'm like I don't like this I don't I don't like this and so I'm actually now hungry for the gospel and so if we can kind of pair that up the specificity of the law within the specificity of the gospel like yeah to those people the people who are drinking themselves silly the people who are really curious about heroin the ones who are you know they're thinking about crack like thinking about over here it's meth like the ones that are using that like those are the people that God loves. Those are the people that Jesus died for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the other side that we haven't talked about as much, um, and I don't think about it as much because I don't see it here at the hospital, is say, I don't have the addiction, but my family member does. Mm -hmm. My parents, my brother, my um, uncle, my grandma. Like, that's painful. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a family disease. Like, it's a system, right? This is a family disease. And so... How do I deal with that? Like, and to speak about the long gospel there, like, I love grandma, but I hate this part about her so much. I have no idea what to do. Like, I love and hate so vehemently, or I don't feel safe around this person, or I don't know if I will get, um, you know, my good uncle or my bad uncle today, because did he drink or did he not drink? Like, all of that, mm -hmm. all of that gets wrapped up. And if we can be very particular somehow about allowing some of that specifics rather than um, I think the gospel can then can speak into those moments. Yes, Jesus loves you even when you have no idea how to feel about this family member, all that rage and fear and upset and pain and like, yeah, Jesus still loves you and we're going to try and love you too. And this is not something that's solved in a day. It's like a lifetime right. thing. Um yeah, like even after the fact for people who have like lost people to addiction, whether it's overdose or an accident, like a car accident, like that doesn't like go away. Right. You know, one of the things my mentor said re regularly said, how much would it be worth to you when life is so bad that you feel your guts are going to fall out? How much at that moment would it be worth to you have someone come next to you and say, I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just be with you in this time. I love you. As I get older, more and more, I'm like, thank you. Like, that's, 
that's it. Like the gospel made flesh. Like you can tell me Jesus loves me with your words. Please do. But then if you just walk out the door, like what am what am I going to do now? Like, yeah. I, I got to think. I mean, one thing that would be, um, you know, just talking about that youth ministry in that situation very much be be find those people who can be those mentors, who can be those people to step into those um, times and to show that patience at times. Like you're going to have maybe a young person who's really wrestling and going through some difficult times where there might be different acting out of that and just the confusion around that. So find people who have that patience to not bring judgment, but care and grace into those times. Um, and to be able to, like I said, be able to be there in those times when just someone maybe to talk to, but continue to show up for them. And that certainly takes a special level of dedication. Uh, but we pray again that we um, have congregations that have people that are willing to do that. And and like I said, maybe out of reaction out of someone, grace shown to them in those times too, that they're able to show that to another young person uh, going through that, that churches right. take those those courageous steps to show that care. Right, right. And you asked this question in another way, um, Mark, John, I don't know who, but it was about, what's it say, how to encourage youth leaders to build capacity for themselves in youth ministry in that space. And for me, I loved that phrase because it, it reminded me, like, this is something, certainly God gives it to us, but also, like, we work at it. Right. Like, what's Paul saying? Like, we equip the saints. Yeah. Well, the, but they're saints. Well, yeah, but they're not necessarily equally equipped. So, like, they, maybe maybe they need to be equipped, you know? Or what um, Peter says of, like, the Word. Like, the Word is good for training us up in, in righteousness and every good deed. Mm-hmm. So, like, there is a, an element of growing and learning and practicing and, and striving. Like, how many... I mean, how many hours and, and did the disciples spend with Jesus? Like, right. we just don't even know. We just get such a small glimpse of, like, right. who knows right. how much they needed to just imbibe of that. And so, um, and I I guess that's the other part of working with addictions. It's just a, a painful truth. And this is true, like, any sector of life, I think. that, But not everybody makes it. It's a really sad truth. It's a really deeply sad truth. And even with the youth ministry, like, there's, a, there's always this risk, right? Like, the youth that we love now, when they leave the nest, will they come back? They may not. Isn't that terrifying? That's absolutely terrifying. And so do I open up my heart to the possibility that all this love I'm going to pour out that I see reflected right back to me, or I don't, because maybe they're, you know, stoic and they're, I don't know what's going on. And <laughs> maybe they just walk. Maybe that for any number of reasons, I just walk away. And like to to say like, that's, that's the heart of God. Like God just pours it out. Right. <laughs> Some just say, I don't want it. They just walk. They walk away for any number of reasons. They fall away. Satan comes in. Like there's all the things. And it's just like, I don't know. And maybe that's part of like the conversations that I appreciate now as of, you know, as providing spiritual care is that mm-hmm. someone just be able to be really blunt about like the pain and the risk and the joy and the hope, like all together, like can't separate that out. You know, there's no guaranteed success. Mm-hmm. There's things that will help more likely than hurt, but mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for that. And uh, I, you talked about building that capacity and those resources that are there. Anything that you would say for um, you know, resources you might point adult leaders to or pastors to, around these topics uh, that, again, build that capacity or resource them in their ministry to families and young people? Right. So there's, uh, again, I'd go back to that article, one that I wrote, but also there's some other pastoral folks reflecting on the issue of the epidemic in that issue, which I think, you know, I'm just one person. I did find out, I, again, I just, just today I was kind of reviewing the article and that 
there's another article about addiction that the Caring Connections put on back in 2010. It's volume seven, number four. It's entitled Pastoral Care and Addictions. Haven't read a single word of any of it, but I would hunch that there's probably some good things in there. Um, you know, given just by the titles alone and, and the desire to, you know, the mystery of addictive illnesses, effective pastoral responses to addictive illness. So, um, so that's one thing. Secondly, um, I would say to any youth group leader, uh, attend a 12-step meeting. Find one that is open. If a 12-step meeting is closed, it means that they only want people who have that particular addiction to come in for their own, you know, kind of safety and and recovery. But there are many um, open meetings. And you can find them even, especially now, it's very easy. You could, If you want an easy in, you could do an online Zoom meeting. So many of, uh, so much of our life has shifted online. So you could do that. Though I think something would be lost to not show up in the room and feel the energy. So I would highly encourage you to find a meeting somewhere open, just show up. And when they ask, hey, why are you here? Just to say, hey, I, I, I want to know how to love a young person who has addiction. I just, I don't know. Please, you know, I'm just here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, even if you could even ask further, depending on like the, the flavor of the group or the feel of the group, I would think it would be appropriate and fascinating to ask, would someone after this meeting just talk with me for a few minutes mm-hmm. about how I can better love someone in my life who's dealing with what you have dealt with? Mm-hmm. And I, I bet the people's eyes, there would be at least one person who would say, mm-hmm. yes, we'd be delighted to help someone not go through the pain Mm -hmm. that would bring someone, you know, to that space. Um, The other part, there's the flip side. So um, I'll use AA because it's just the most prolific. So AA is the one for the folks who themselves are dealing with um, the alcohol problem. There is Alateine. So for the, actually particularly for teens that, um, and I don't know how you would navigate like contacting them, but anyways, you can find that information online. Um, but there's Al-Anon. So for, since this is a family illness, right? Al-Anon is for the loved ones of the addict, right? So I don't have a problem with alcohol, but my family member does, and that bothers me. So actually, now it's my problem. Cause <laughs> and so most substances or um, uh, behaviors that have a 12-step meaning will have a sister program. So whether it's cocaine uh, anonymous will have C anon, or narcotics anonymous will have N anon, or sexaholics will have S anon, or I, I assume like how big are these programs? How do you get a hold of them? But like that'd be a good place to start. Um, secondly, there is a Christian-based 12-step program called Celebrate Recovery. Um, churches will host these meetings. In fact, there's some churches that really kind of form out of these groups where they have a teaching, kind of like a pastor will come up and speak, and they use the 12 steps um, as outlined, you know, back in the original by AA. But they still acknowledge that there's not just any higher power. There is Jesus is the highest power, and so we acknowledge Him. And and um, I imagine, I mean, just look around. There may be some in Albuquerque. There's at least two or three of those meetings. I imagine in like St. Louis, there's going to be, you know, a handful of them. And so that'd be a good place to talk. And anyone involved in that, I think, would be great to interface with about how do you talk about the grace of Jesus to this addiction process specifically. And then we'll split up. They'll meet generally as a group, and then they split up into their particular um, 
specific uh, addictions. So that'd be a good resource. Um, hmm. There's one other thing I was going to say. Where where was it? Build any other resources. I guess the other thing. Oh, here's one uh, last thing. This is more like a mental framework to think about pain. That some of us, and this is this shows up in the twelve step literature all the time. That eventually the pain of the addiction got so bad that that's what brought people to to God. Like they were so broken that they're like, I can go nowhere else. I I must have God or I will die. And so, I I don't know, like, how much do you imagine that for, like, maybe your own kids or the youth that you're working with? Like, the, the pain that they're going through, like, God, God can use that. Like, it's not that we excuse the bad behavior. It's not that we excuse the pain or, like, people what people are doing to them. But, like, like how do we give up that control? Like, mm-hmm. well, I can't control all circumstances for these people, let alone myself. And so, I just have to trust that God will work and I can do my part and, like... I don't know, that's more of a, not a resource, more of a mindset frame of being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because you're absolutely right. For this and for, for many of the other things that we've been talking about in this series, right? It A lot of it is uh, is doing what we can and then trusting that God is at work um, and has his hand in, in all of these things um, as we navigate through them and that we can love young people well. Um, in, in all of the ways that we can do that. But, but ultimately, God has uh, much more love for them and is is, uh, is guiding them back to himself uh, every day. So uh, we I could certainly talk more about this, but thank you so much for, for spending the time and, and helping us uh, think through this and, and think about some resources that we can use. Uh, we'll certainly link to those in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Well, certainly we know that addiction is not a simple issue, right? No. Much like uh, much like the other things that we've talked about in this series, right? Um, it's hard to com- to compress into 30 minutes right. for a youth right. leader um, all the different complexities that come with mental health issues or um, with, we're going to talk about some other topics, but in, in this case, an addiction. Um, and truly a lot of what it comes down to is making sure that we have um, environments and opportunities in our youth ministries uh, to love people, to love young people, and to um, show uh, grace to them, but also to give them that open door that, that says, hey, this is a space where we can talk about really hard things. Right. And one of those really hard things might be um, alcohol, drugs, or uh, whether that's for that young person or whether that's someone in their family, their friends, their their outside systems, right? Um, to give them a place of belonging and safety to start having those conversations. Yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, Pastor Earl's talk of, of just complexity of how even that can get started um, and and for us again be a place where there's grace and ability to discuss that and and I think you know may not be look the same in every youth ministry but I mean I think to try to find those people who when you do have young people walking through this whether it's them themselves or the family to really have maybe some dedicated time to make sure that they are checking in see them at church praying for them um, caring for them because it's it's a really difficult thing and I think somewhere that presence can be so important in the life of a young person.
And addiction, uh, much like when we talk about mental health issues, is not something where, oh, it's going to somehow go and be solved, right? right? right and right. then, okay, now we don't need to talk right. about it again. Exactly. Um, there's there, A solution has been found, and um, this person will never struggle with that again, right? Um, it's more a, a question of uh, how are we helping them to, to navigate whatever the next step is um, in their recovery process, in, in their sobriety process, and what that looks like. And so um, being able to make sure that they uh, have access to the professionals right, that they need, right? right? Mm -hmm, and certainly knowing mm -hmm. the edge of where um, youth leaders and pastors even can be helpful and mm -hmm. where we need to call in professionals, but also how are we walking alongside them um, now and in the next thing mm -hmm, and in the mm -hmm, next thing mm -hmm. um, and in whatever that has to make sure that we're putting them back to Jesus. Absolutely. I do uh, also appreciate uh, this note, and and I think again it applies to to more than just addiction, but but particularly there uh, to say uh, one of the scary parts of addiction is is not everybody makes it out, and to be able to say um, we uh, as as uh, adults in the congregation we're going to love our young people incredibly deeply, we're going to point them to the love of God, um, and we're going to do that in in a way where we don't always know the outcome. <laughs> Right. don't always know what that's going to look like. Uh, it makes me incredibly grateful for the, right. all of the youth leaders out there who are loving young people well and deeply um, and, pour, you know, making sure that they are spending their free time with them. They are, they are mm -hmm. spending their vacation with mm -hmm. them. They are mm -hmm. um, praying for them at night and uh, maybe even lying awake at night uh, wondering about them that uh, we know that they um, are loved and cared about even when we don't know right. uh, what the next thing is for them or, or the um, what that's going to look like uh, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. Yeah. It's often those stories that, uh, you know, we heard about in these last uh, months, uh, again, about those uncertainties where, again, people stepped into those areas of, of care and concern that really motivated us to want to do this and be able to encourage others uh, to be able to be in those places and keep praying and, uh, again, keep pointing people to Jesus in those times and showing God's grace. So some closing questions uh, for you to consider. Uh, how can you be helping young people to feel belonging and give them an open door to share with their struggles? Does your pastor or congregation have access to trustworthy professional help in the face of substance addiction or abuse? Do volunteers and leaders in your congregation know the process for accessing such support? And how can you support family and friends of someone who might be struggling with addiction? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you offer warm challenge, grace, law, and gospel uh, with those impacted by addiction. And may God give you wisdom, hope, and comfort as you walk alongside youth and adults in your congregation. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church. Mm -hmm.